expert advice and data-driven insights that unlock your business's potential. APSA Insights, brought to you by APSA Corporate and Investment Banking. This, this, this challenge of this world that, I mean, yeah, I'm sure some point in 2021, we, we go out and buy a new suit and get seen in public again. But how has that shifted and that changed? Fundamentally, Bruce, I think in the short term, you're 100% right, there's been a massive shift towards casual and uh, towards anything to do with uh, work from home, be it furniture, decorating your house, home technology, and a massive shift, I think, towards, I mean, it was already evident before COVID, but an accelerated shift towards anything with health and wellness, running gear, yoga mats, uh, gym equipment, weights, etc. As a matter of fact, weights sold out in South Africa, you couldn't uh, buy a set of uh, dumbbells for local money over the last couple of months. So I think certainly for as long as um, it's probably not whatever. I mean, you probably went the world probably went through a similar um, process of not wearing suits and dressing up over I guess two world wars. Eventually, you get back to some form of normality, but that sense of normality could be I don't know twelve or twenty four months from now. Uh, so yeah, much more casual. And the other point that was mentioned earlier on by Vaughan was around value. I think um, as economies, and particularly in South Africa, as um, the economic reality bites. There's definitely a shift towards value for money. Um, that doesn't mean cheap, it just means value for money right across all the LSMs. Um, and I think that's becoming more evident um, as each month goes on. Well, Crazy, when we talk about supply chains and we talk about beer, I mean, beer is uh, by certainly old SAB standards very much a, a local product. People have a huge affinity for their local beer brands. And there have been a couple of really successful global brands. I mean, Budweiser, which comes out of your parent, AB InBev, uh, Stable has been very good. Stella Artois is one. There's the Heineken and the Carlsbergs of the world that have transcended the borders. But when you look across the African continent, where you have a very substantial footprint, where you are uh, one of the biggest brewers on this continent, beer is local. How does the beer market change in this environment? Bruce, um, we we've been um, using local materials in our in our beer for more than five decades. We have a thriving hop industry and barley barley industry, uh, glass manufacturing. Um, in fact, for our local brands, 90, more than ninety five percent of our ingredients are procured locally. Um, so that that is really exciting. Um, we also have opportunities to brew some of these imported brands here because we have the right technology and and breweries to do that. And then further along our value chain, um, we also procure our you know merchandise and point of sale materials uh, more and more. That is being procured locally, just as part of this this commitment that we have to to growing South Africa. I think during the alcohol ban, I think it was it, it was quite stark to see how just how deep that supply chain is into South Africa, and we're we're very proud of that supply chain, and uh, and hopefully we can continue to maintain it far into the future. Yeah, and it's, it's absolutely critical that you do. I mean, because the you know, global sense of the globe has, has also changed very, very strongly as well. Isana, in terms of payment, um, and, and is there been a big shift in payment systems? There's some places where, you know, you take out a banknote and, and people recoil as if you've just coughed in their direction. There's a, a reluctance to deal with cash. Cash is seen as this magnificent transmission mechanism for, for the coronavirus. Have you seen a shift in payment mechanisms? Is there more of a, a digital change? I think definitely we've seen reduction in cash, um, but it could also be, be because of the items that was predominantly 
used to buy cash with, like alcohol and cigarettes, were also restricted. So over this time, cash the cash in the cycle reduced significantly. But because of the trading conditions predominantly, I don't think cash is going to go away. I don't think um, for the lower LSM market, it's still the predominant um, payment mechanism. However, the banks are obviously all part of uh, um, work streams where we try and see how we displace cash somewhat and bring in different payment mechanism um, other than card also that could work and make people a, a currency available for people to trade in because cash is just dangerous in so many ways. Um, and if the virus is one of them, you know, we got to face that. Yeah, at least the virus doesn't take your money away. We're not yet anyway. It hasn't morphed to that extent. Um, Evan, we've seen the shift to digital in, in so many interesting ways. And South Africa has been very, very slow in terms of its adoption of online shopping. And earlier, uh, Anthony and Borghi were just telling us about the, the massive escalations they've seen from a very low base in terms of the uh, evolution of online purchasing and online transacting. I suppose the company that stole the show um, over the last six months has been ShopRite. Their, their 60 offering, um, while minuscule in their world is evidence as to what can happen when you get it right and how that when you serve your customers in a way that is intuitive and simple and easy um, that they will come along for the ride. Yep, there's no doubt. I mean, they have stolen the show there a little bit. I mean, it's uh, it's not available in all areas yet, Bruce, but I mean, certainly for the guys that can use it, I mean, it's been a successful product. I mean, I've got to hand it to them and they seem to have got their logistics right, which we've spoken about earlier is obviously the tough part, especially in food. I mean, we, we can have limited assortments and people are obviously chopping and changing and uh, you've got to have the, the, all the fresh produce on the shelf. So, they, I mean, they have they have seemed to have got this right. You know, it was, it was quite a robust sort of performance from them and especially to go out with this sort of 60 minute offering i mean this is it was quite i'm sure it was quite challenging for them to get it right but they they certainly seem to have got it right i mean uh the feedback has been very positive i mean from everyone that's used it i mean i've used it uh but it seems to have been very very positive so you know i've got ahead it to them they seem to have jumped ahead of their competitors in this space you know and we'll see if they can maintain that i certainly think they've put the impetus in place to do such a thing what about the challenge for Anthony and bongiwe how do they manage this better into the future because the world is certainly moving that way challenges for them are going to be store related challenges not so much online challenges i mean obviously they can sort out the logistics around you know their reverse logistics people wrong sizing etc i mean i think they can get that right and as anthony rightly said i mean he's got you know a couple of stores out there a couple of thousand stores in which he, he's effectively got a warehouse so you know i think the challenge for Anthony and, and for the Fashini Group and apparel retailers going forward in a, in what's going to be quite a different landscape is actually getting people back into the stores because without getting people back into the stores, you don't want to have 3,000 stores like okay, sitting idle all day. So, you know, I think they're going to have to be innovative. I think they're going to have to offer reward mechanisms to get people back into stores. Um, I think it's going to have to be an experience. Service levels are going to have to improve in-store. So I certainly think there's going to be a number of issues that they're going to have to look at very carefully to ensure that their store bases over time are just not redundant. And that's probably going to be a difficult exercise for a lot of retailers around the world is to ensure that their stores are no longer redundant to the consumer. And it's such an important point, Anthony and Bungi. Well, I don't know who wants to pick up on that. But the, the service issue is one that South Africans, I think, they're born because, and I increasingly have this issue as we tear our hair out when you go into a retail environment. Um, and 
you, you, you met with either a blank stare or somebody who's not been adequately trained or somebody who doesn't really have a clue um, on, on what, your, what your needs are. If you're going to turn the store into the experience and into literally the shop front where I can go and experience what you have to offer so that when I go home, I know that a, you know, my size is my size and I can go across multiple brands and get an appropriate size. How are you going to evolve? It's a great opportunity and a hell of a, a mountain to climb. I'll, I'll jump in while you that as well. Uh, look, we hit the nail on the head. It's um, particularly in South Africa, it's tough. I mean, the turnover within the retail sector, small staff, is incredibly high in South Africa. You're looking at um, yeah, well in excess of 25% a year. And um, so there's a challenge around getting people to know the product, know the sizing, uh, be really committed. I think one of the things we've uh, picked up again over the last 18 months, we've been rolling out a lot of digital training. Um, all of our staff can actually um, access the full suite of training specific to the brand that they work in. It can be done on their smartphone. They don't even need to use our own data. We've got reverse billing arrangements with the major networks. Uh, so they can either train in downtime, you know, over a lunch break, they can train at home. We've certainly seen a noticeable improvement in terms of their performance and customer satisfaction, but it still is a, it is a big challenge going forward. Um, one of the things, again, we picked up from our offshore operations, which we're trying at the moment, is really bringing in effective incentive schemes that reward um, small staff for doing the right things. Um, and it seems like a very obvious uh, kind of model. Um, very few people have managed to get it right, particularly in South Africa. Um, it's got to be very, very nuanced and targeted. Um, we're in fairly advanced stages of testing a couple of mechanisms at the moment. And I think that over time, um, yeah, that will certainly help. I think just going back to Evan's point, though, around um, the challenge on scores, I think um, he's 100% right. If you try and balance the, the scores and the online, it is kind of a touch and accelerator type model. You've got to get that balance right. Um, we do holistically believe that there's room for both, but it's, it's getting um, the kind of pace of change or the shift um, manageable. Uh, we're lucky in South Africa, most of our leases are pretty short. Our average lease term um, to terms about two and a half years, matter of fact, slightly less now. 2.3, 2.4 years. So we've got a lot of flexibility around it, um, but it is critical to get the balance right. And the key, I think, in terms of the shopping malls is you've actually got to build your brands. You've got to have the strongest brands when you go into a shopping mall in whatever category you're you selling, you know, whether it's jewelry, homewares, men's apparel, sports gear, whatever it is. Particularly at the moment, you don't want to be brand number two, three, or four. You want to be brand number one or two in the customer's eyes. If you can get that piece right, and that unfortunately takes years of investment, but if you get that piece right, uh, the chances are you'll end up being one. Expert advice and data-driven insights that unlock your business's potential. APSA Insights. Brought to you by APSA Corporate and Investment Banking. For more, visit apsainsights.co.za.